Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Best of today. This is Bry Radio. In the next 30 minutes, 30 minutes, in the next 30 minutes, you'll hear. areas like Scotland and create small economic clusters which aims to double the growth of the UK. For Scotland what they want to do is devolve new powers to the Scottish um, government. They also Mm -hmm. want to make sure that they can be involved in international agreements and they'll be recognised in key UK bodies. For example the energy regulator Ofgem. Mm -hmm. Um, It also means that Scotland would have greater borrowing powers Um, So, yeah, that's how Scotland would be recognised. And then lastly, the House of Lords, they want to completely abolish this. Like Right now, House of Lords has around 800 members Mm -hmm. and they want to transform it into um, a body called the Assembly of Nations and Regions with around 200 elected members, which is completely off of what we've got right now. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's quite a di- quite a difference there. So, yeah. um, so remind me, so it was Gordon Brown who wrote this, former yeah. Prime Minister. Two years in the running. Two years in the running. So it's been coming for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, it seems, on you know perhaps on the face of it. So, what might be the, the effects of this on the electorate? So we know that Starmer is already ahead in the opinion polls of Sunak. Yeah. What might be some of the ramifications there? Um. What What do you think? Well, it's looking at it. It's you know, Starmer, it's, it's quite a bit of, I would say, potentially of an electioneering manifesto. He's trying to sort of firm up support and cement it and see where it might come from. And yeah. if Starmer needs sort of more support in the electorate, yes he's, yes, he's gone ahead in the opinion polls, but is that more so because he's popular or the Tories are unpopular? And now he needs to make sure that he yeah. holds on to that vote. I would say, on a, like, an optic level, it mm-hmm. looks really good and, like, I think it's kind of been thrown for more of the left side. 
um, to respond to this. And especially it's, it's really key in Scotland because essentially what they've said is Scotland can either change outside of the UK or be involved within the change inside the UK with a Labour government. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think he's going to get in. That's okay. why he's so keen to do this. So it might be that Starmer's working on more of an electioneering angle, perhaps, than a yeah. political one. So if we were to work through those four points in turn, yeah, is it possible that Starmer is perhaps more focused on what he can say to get into power and less on the substance? Do we think he really believes it? So let's start with that first one you so, mentioned. So yeah, the clean-up. Yeah, the clean-up of politics. Is that... Is that actually a good idea, some of what he's been um, talking about? Well, I don't think so, because in practice, how would that work? If you already think about ministers, they've already have a second job. Rishi Sunak, the PM. I mean, how much time do you really think he spends looking over Richmond? That's a fair point, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Already. They, they would already have to give up certain things, which in practice would mean that they're actually less effective. Mm-hmm like in their ministerial roles. But the argument there is that, you know, we have you know MPs such as Matt Hancock, that very popular former yeah, health secretary, is... he's going on a nice three-week holiday to Australia, which yeah. he gets paid £400,000, while his constituents are without an MP. I think, yeah. Is that good enough? Is that what we expect of our no. politicians, of those that we elect? So I think maybe instead of do it, they could kind of amend that point in the proposition because... There is a minority of them that are doing bad things, as we've said, Matt Hancock. But I think the whole minister situation, that wouldn't be, you know, de facto in practice. It wouldn't be effective to remove all of their second roles. So who is it who gets to decide which roles do and don't or can and can't be had? Well, I, well they, they are setting up a commission. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. Agree. That's part of the intention. Yeah that votes for it, instead of just giving certain person power, they have a consultation about it. Because it's not just government roles, such as, you know, cabinet positions or junior ministers, but you may have some backbenchers in opposition parties who now have feasible long careers mm. in select committees and as chair select committees, which increases scrutiny. So actually... So I think they're argue, important roles, yeah. and they shouldn't be taken away. It is. But then, you know, the argument is, if the argument that it comes from a point of time, isn't it, it's that MPs, it's a full-time job, they should spend all their time working for their constituents, whereas those with second jobs have argued, in fact, actually, it's not a full-time job. You only yeah. do constituency work and well, vote debate in the House of Commons MPs a few times have, a week. Um, MPs also have a whole group of people that work for them and give them displays, so, it yeah, it would just not be a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And they, they'd also be asked to do too many things, I believe, like um, in politics discussion, when we were talking about the write-ups of articles that they'd have to do for free, or uh, that just wouldn't yeah. be. Similarly, we know it's good. We know it's good for our democracy to have that free and fair press. And something that is much valued is when the prime minister, the leader of the opposition, and other politicians in senior senior roles, yeah. when they write in newspaper newspapers, they get a fee for that. It's good to do. It yeah. means that we are more careful with our government. It perhaps promotes some more in the way of transparent, open government, potentially. It's a good job to have. So that's on cleaning up politics. If we move on then and to we look at the idea of tra- yeah. transferring power, tax-making and legislation at a localised level, is this well thought out? Well... Could it, could it you know, potentially I... a localised race to the bottom? 
Yeah, no, I I agree with you there because I think this would cause a large disparity of wealth between the north and the south of Britain because you see tax rises in the north and then decline in the south, so the wealth would move down and the northern population would overall be less well-off because of this rise. I mean, it might not be such a bad thing because tensions in these areas would be diffused. But then on the other side of that, you have to think about the difficulty that families would face in having to move and they'd suffer the brunt of this disparity overall. So I don't think it's necessarily a good idea. No, I, I see that. It's, it's familiar in a way when the Tories used to say they would like to throw what they called red meat. To yeah. the left, yeah. Well, yeah, to try and throw. So here, here are some big policies that we think that might be very popular with uh, the core voters, with those that are trying to achieve so like this big sort of like the Rwanda policy, that's a red meat policy of the Tories. We're going to try and appeal to that core conservative vote about taking back control, that Brexity of voters. So say, would you say this so. is a red meat policy of Labour? Yeah, well, that's what I think it is. I think it's the idea yeah. of transferring power. It's about trying, you know, I don't think it's going to achieve much in the way of you know, achieving new votes for uh, Starmer, but I think what it will do is just, you know, the core Labour voter will be be quite a fan of this. We can see that those yeah. localised areas, maybe those Labour-run councils, Labour-run mayoral roles, thinking about the likes of Andy Burnham up in Manchester, being able to increase the tax rate could be quite a good thing for them. Yeah. Moving on again. Yeah, especially to Scotland. I think there mm. are a lot of core Labour voters in Scotland that Starmer could really use. What's the, what's the background there? Why is it that... What, what, what's, what's the significance of Scotland to Starmer? Why is it more of a thing for Labour than it has been for Truss, for example? Um, because, well, Truss, with um, Sturgeon, as we've seen, she thought that she was irrelevant and refused to even call her. And Scotland as a whole was just more ignored by the Tories and Labour could really use them because this radical proposal is basically saying to the Scottish people, you can either have a change out the UK or if you vote Labour... You can have a change within the UK and it will be a lot harder for them to get out than to stay in and vote Labour, I think. So it strikes me again, very much so, it's electioneering. It looks on the face of it, oh, here's a nice policy, it's about redressing power. Let's think cynically. We like to think cynically in politics. It's not about, you know, I don't think it's... Starmer's been leader of the opposition now for over three years. He's been around for a while. Only now, though, is actually announcing some policies and thinking about it. Is it what he genuinely thinks? How often have we seen yeah. Starmer going north of the border trying to encourage late, you know, that left-wing social well, democratic vote in north of the border who have voted SNP for so many years now, over a decade? It's taken away Labour from Scotland. They have only, I think, one MP at the moment? Yeah. Not many. It's a minority no. there. And Labour used to clean up. Has Starmer, at long last, recognised what he needs to do to win the next election? I think he has, because when you say to people that you will make it, he's just telling them what they want to hear, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a question of will he actually follow through? And I was listening to um, Channel 4 and the Secretary for Scotland was saying that this has been consulted through and when, adverbatim, Starmer gets in, he will be working on implementing this policy as soon as he gets in within his first term. Again, I don't really think that's very realistic, especially the House of Lords reform, which we will move on to in a second, because how will he really get that change to happen? Because Lords would have to vote for itself. And when we get 
Johnson's um, well, resignation on his list back in. That mm. Lords will come back again. I think we forget about perhaps the Salisbury Convention somewhat, the idea that a policy and a manifesto would not be reheard by convention in the Lords. And maybe it's time that we address the UK's democratic deficit. Yeah. Potentially. Well... Of which the Lords features hugely. It is um, a democratic deficit. But I think that it's almost a good thing, though, because when, when there's a consensus in the Commons... The House of Lords is essentially Britain's only opposition because they're not necessarily in step with the popular mood. So they kind of give a good backing spot to come back and be thinking, oh, no, this actually isn't what they should. It's like with the um, they've just stopped the bill going through about having suspicionless stops at protests, Mm -hmm. which was a consensus in Commons. And they brought it back and said, oh, no, actually, this might not be a good idea. And it has been stopped. So it does show that Lord still does have a say. It does. So is the is the Lords broken right now? Are we following the mantra of if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Oh yeah. Is Starmer saying the Lords is a broken system? Um, I think he really draws in on the minority and completely blows it up because there are some people by the the appointments permit commission that do come in and they do donate a lot to these Tory party and they do act in a state of sleaze, I might say. And yeah, and I think he's really drawing in on that minority to um, say why the Lord should be abolished and he calls it, as he says, indefensible. But I don't think it is broken. No. So overall, therefore, I would say you've painted something of a picture of a man with a plan, mm-hmm. a tactical move in the short term just to chip away at that Tory and SNP opposition that he's always facing. This is part of his longer-term strategy. A vision for Britain, a vision with him at the centre. Should voters believe in Starmer's vision? Or is it just more talk from a politician who won't be able, in practice, to fulfil his promises? Well, that is the question. Um, I'd say that it's definitely more of an elect- from an electioneering point of view and we shouldn't necessarily believe what he said. It's very clever, and I can see why he's keen to do it, because, first of all, it's free, because Labour don't want the the Tories to attack them on such as taxation policies, or if they want to borrow more or tax more, so they can't come up with big, expensive commitments, but they can say, oh, we'll abolish Lords, because it's free. So when you, like, regarding the Constitution, there's no cost attached to that. So it allows Starmer to, from an electioneering point of view, say that he's going to be different and clean up shop. But we don't know if he'll actually do it. And we don't even know the outcome either. If we do abolish the Lords or reform the Lords and create this assembly of the nations and regions, mm-hmm. which already seems as though it's somewhat imbalanced towards England's favour, I'm sure that's very popular with the voters north of the border, perhaps an internal conflict in his vision for Britain there yeah. between what he wants to be going on. We don't even know how it's going to work. How are we going to have these elections for it? Who's going to choose this? And yes, we forget what, how valuable the Lords can be in politics. That's what I wish that we could have seen more of, is how they're going to... That's why I don't believe him, because they haven't given any sort of standpoint of how they're going to implement this policy. They've told us what it is, but they're not showing us... Where's, where, where's, the, where's the substance? Yeah. Where's the, where, where are the in-detail paper? This is how it's going to work. Yeah. This is what the effects will be in practice. And also, I've got to bear in mind that when we do anything like this, there are positives and there are negatives to each. 
they need to say what those negatives are because I think it's time that, as Poulton's always saying now, they need to get real and level with the people. Well, sort of that was the case. Have to bear in mind that these are going to be some of the downsides. Mm. These are some things that perhaps might not be as agreeable, but we have to bear with them because you know what? This is this is how we ought to improve. This is Britain in 2022. We still have a House of Lords, an element of our legislature, which is appointed. Yes, but I think it's it it could be um reformed. I definitely mm. agree with that, but I don't think they should go as far to abolish it. I just don't think. Because also, I don't think he'd be able to get that through in his first term. That's what um, I've said, heard that he's promised. Well, I disagree, if I'm honest there, Lily. I would say that I, I, I think back, and I think back to several weeks ago, Starman was saying this is a Labour moment. This is a time in history when people are willing to vote Labour. People are willing to have the big state. They want to have involvement going on. Uh, they want to have the state that's involved in our lives. They want to have the state that's you know, got some higher role in, in society, with, with individuals. And I think about Tony Blair in the mid-90s. He was there promising yeah. devolution. He was there promising constitutional reform, reform to the voting system. All these things that he promised and people voted for him. They wanted big change at the time it was right for the big change. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, again, again, the House of Lords um, message, it's that they did change it and they did reform it. They had five or six plans to reform mm. it, but they never found the solution they want. They didn't go as far as they wanted because they can't. They can't. But now with Gordon Brown's idea here that he's put, put in, that Starmer's now copied and pasted and called it his vision for Britain, mm-hmm. perhaps this is time for Labour. I'm sure perhaps, you know, just, you know, we say a week is a long time in politics. We say that on my show quite a lot. I think you're yeah. the same as well. No, I hear you it know, in class, though. We hear, I'm sure you do. Fantastic teacher that you have, if I do say so. Then what we have as well is we have two years, potentially, until the next election. Sunak is able to call that when he wants. He'll only call it when he wants to call it, or the okay. two-year clock will run out. And Starmer cannot peak too soon. This is the danger that he's walking into here. You know, mm-hmm. he's announced his plan, and I really think he should have kept his cards more close to his chest because as soon as he announces something and it becomes really popular, you never know which policies that the Tories might magpie for themselves. Yeah, they might poach them in the yeah. next year, and then that's it. And so perhaps that's why, for it to be balanced and fair, Starmer, he's not going to go too into detail just yet to yeah. see how things play out. But at long last, he started to campaign for something. He's a man who's starting to stand up and say, this is what I'm about, this is what I want to do if I was in government. Yeah, I think that's why his popularity in the polls has just shot up a little bit. And it stayed there as well. It stayed high. He's telling people what they want to hear as well, especially up in Scotland. Yeah, he's getting there. So that'll be the the root of it in the end when we get there. Uh, Any last comments, Lily? Uh, no, I'd just like to say thank you for merging our shows by Espresso and Politics Discussion. I know, it'd be rather yeah, good been fun great. to do. Perhaps more of this would be fantastic. Um, brilliant. Well, um, from me, I wish everybody uh, in our Bryanston community and beyond a very Merry Christmas, uh, and we'll see you all in the New Year. Bye from me. Goodbye from me. Have a lovely afternoon, guys. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.